Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Week 12 saw college game day come to Sunbelt country. App State hand number 18 James Madison their first loss. Arkansas State and South Alabama clinch bowl bursts in plenty of intrigue from start to finish. Troy won their eighth game in a row with a harder than expected game over Louisiana. Old Dominion ended Georgia Southern's six-game winning streak at Paulson to keep their bowl hopes alive. And Coastal Carolina came up short on the road to Army. Plus, ULM, Georgia State, and Southern Miss suffered road defeats to SEC opponents. Today on episode 151 of the show, it's time for our Week 12 recap. We'll break down the biggest moments from the past week of Sunbelt football and update you on the must-know storylines heading into the final week of the Sunbelt regular season. Caden, the best way I can describe this weekend was epic. We had Pat McAfee's show on Friday. We had college game day with a record crowd on Saturday morning. And all the way through Saturday evening, the Sun Belt was on full display. What were your favorite parts about Week 12? Well, to the surprise of absolutely nobody listening to this episode, Noah, my biggest, my biggest and best moment of the weekend was watching App State secure that win. It was definitely the highlight for sure. But you could argue that Arkansas State doing what they did in their matchup was maybe even more surprising, even more impressive than App State's upset victory in that matchup. But like, like I said in the past, and we'll continue saying this, conference never fails to impress me, surprise me, and just provide some of the best football we'll see. And I think we saw that yet again, despite it coming to the conclusion of the season. We're still seeing a lot of teams' best effort. We're seeing a lot of their best football. And I, I'm now getting to the point where I'm getting sad that I'm not going to be able to watch these teams play now, knowing that they only have another week of football in a bowl game for a lot of these squads. Well, Kane, at this point, uh, App State's got a good chance at playing in the uh, championship game come December 2nd. I know that we're both looking forward to being at that game regardless uh, but let's jump right into our Sunbelt scoreboard. We'll review all the results from around the conference in Week 12. Then Kane and I are going to come back, take an in-depth look at some of the Sunbelt's top games for the weekend. We start with ULM at number 13, Old Miss in Oxford, Mississippi. Old Miss coming in 35.5-point favorite. They walked away with a 32-point win. ULM actually covering the spread in this game. It was an odd game. Old Miss scored a touchdown with 426 left in the first quarter. Their only points in the first half. ULM kicked a field goal as time expired to make it 7-3 at the half. Jackson Dart responding with three second-half touchdowns as Old Miss pulled away. ULM had a, a good day on the ground running for 192 yards, but ultimately not enough. They fall to 2-9 and nine on the season. Coastal Carolina, Army in West Point, New York. The Shots coming in, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, they fall in one of the more surprising results of the weekend, 28-21 to Army. Their streak of five consecutive wins snapped. Coastal trading touchdowns with Army in the first half, but trailed 21-14 at the half. Army took a two-score lead at the 11-14 mark in the third quarter. Sam Pinckney would haul in a late touchdown, but the comeback wasn't to be. Jared Guest throws three touchdowns in his return. Army threw just one pass in this game, but ran for 372 yards in the win. Coastal's now needs to win against JMU or get an App State loss in Week 13 to play for a Sunbelt title. They're 7-4. Southern Miss Mississippi State in Starkville, Mississippi. Mississippi State coming in an 18.5-point favorite. They walk away with a 21-point win. Southern Miss led early on an eight-yard touchdown catch from Frank Gore Jr. from Ethan Crawford, who burned his red shirt in this game. Mississippi State then had 23 unanswered points to lead 23-7 with 25 minutes left. Jacarius Caston put on his Superman cape in the second half, tried to spark Southern Miss with a 44-yard receiving touchdown as well as a 98-yard kickoff return. He got them within six, but Mississippi State pulled away late to earn a 21-point win. Frank Gore Jr. 
crossing the 1,000-yard rushing mark for the second time in his career in this game. Next game on the docket was the James Madison App State game in Harrisonburg, Virginia. JMU, a nine-point favorite, coming in undefeated. All the hype in the world around this game. Pat McAfee was there on Friday. He had 5,000 people at his show. There was 26,000 people at college game day on Saturday morning. A record, and the game lived up to it. These two teams going back and forth in the first half. App had a safety to make it 5-3 at one point. App led 10-5 at the half on a Caden Robinson touchdown, and then all the scoring would take place in the fourth quarter. Eli Wilson giving App the big lead with 14.56 to go on a touchdown pass from Joey Aguilar. McLeod answers back to make it a five-point game. Michael Hughes has a big field goal. And what a catch from Elijah Surratt at the end of the game. Diving catch to tie it at 20. They go for two. They get it. We head to overtime. Weiss hits the field goal for James Madison and Caden Robinson with an eight-yard touchdown catch. Almost fumbled the ball at the goal line. They reviewed it, but App State winners in Harrisonburg. They end James Madison's hopes of an undefeated season. Jam, you now 10-1. and one. App State 7-4. and four. If they can win and get a coastal loss, App State will play Troy in the Sunbelt title game in two weeks. Moving on, Arkansas State, Texas State, and Jonesboro, Arkansas. Texas State came in favored pregame, and that was the last time that they were favored. They lose 77-31. to 31. Numbers never for be- before seen in the Sunbelt. This one, a high-scoring affair. It was 14-10 to 10 after the first quarter. Jaquez Cross had three second-quarter rushing touchdowns to give A-State a 35-14 lead at the half. A-State then would widen the lead in the third quarter. Caden, this was just a wild stat uh, that I saw on Twitter, Red Wolf's report. From the 354 mark in the third quarter to the 1039 mark in the fourth quarter, about an eight-minute span, A-State scored 28 straight points without their offense ever touching the field. They had a 91-yard fumble recovery, two pick sixes, a 93-yard kickoff return touchdown by Cross, one of four touchdowns on the day. Texas State finished with 539 yards of offense, outgaining Arkansas State. Finley threw for three touchdowns. A-State running for 291 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. This one, the most points scored in a Sunbelt Conference matchup ever. Arkansas State becoming bowl eligible for the first time since 2019 with the win. They're 6-5, and five. Texas State dropping to 6-5. and five. Couple more games, Troy, Louisiana. Troy, 17.5 point favorite. This one was a lot closer than many people thought. Troy getting off to a slow start. They trailed 7 nothing after the first quarter on a Chandler Fields touchdown throw of the day. He would finish with three. 17 straight Trojans points, touchdowns by Vidal, and Olin Dyke put Troy up 17 to 10 at the half. Louisiana then would tie it twice in the second half, but Troy had the answer every time. Gunnar Watson ultimately finding Jabri Barber for the go-ahead score with just under four minutes left. Troy's D, five and a half sacks, eight TFLs. They held Louisiana to just 66 yards rushing in this game. Troy has now won eight in a row. They're 92. Louisiana needs a win in week 13 to become bowl eligible. South Alabama Marshall in Mobile. The Jags coming in a 10.5-point favorite, and they won this one in dominant fashion. South Alabama scoring 14 first-quarter points and, quite frankly, never looked back. LaDamian Webb had two more rushing touchdowns, his SBC leading 15th and 16th of the year. The defense had three interceptions and held Marshall to 62 yards on the ground to seal it for South Alabama. The Jags securing bowl eligibility for the second straight season. For the first time in program history, Marshall now has to beat Arkansas State next week in order to become bowl eligible. Georgia Southern, Old Dominion, and Statesboro. This one, a slugfest. Old Dominion 
led 10 nothing thanks to a field goal and 12-yard touchdown catch from Javon Harvey. Jalen White got into the end zone with two minutes to go in the second quarter to make it 10-7. to Both took turns alternating field goals and touchdowns in the second half. Grant Wilson made some huge plays down the stretch to set up Ethan Sanchez's 22-yard field goal as time expired. ODU outgaining the high-powered Georgia Southern offense, 346 to 342, and now setting up a must-win game versus Georgia State if ODU wants to go to a bowl game. Georgia Southern drops to 6-5 and five on the season. ODU sitting at 5-6. and six. One more game, Caden. Georgia State versus number 15 LSU in Baton Rouge. We joked that Jaden Daniels would need to miss his alarm clock for Georgia State to win. Unfortunately for Georgia State, he didn't. The Heisman favorite accounting for over 500 yards and eight touchdowns this game was tied at 14 with 12.45 left in the second quarter, but LSU scoring 42 unanswered points to win easily in hand. Georgia State, their fourth straight loss. The Panthers now 6-5. and five. couple real quick notes with James Madison losing. There are now just one undefeated group of five team, Liberty, who beat UMass 49-25 to 25 in Week 12 to move to 11-0. Arkansas State has now gotten to their first bowl game since 2019. South Alabama, for the second season in a row, have both clinched bowl spots on Saturday. It brings the Sun Belt's total to eight, a league record. Really, it's nine because James Madison is going to go bowling. Louisiana Marshall and Old Dominion still have passable eligibility in Week 12. Caden, what a weekend this was, and we have to start with the biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion. It was App State taking down number 18, James Madison, 26-23. App State ending JMU's hopes of an undefeated season. It was the third straight year for the Mountaineers that they have a ranked win. They beat number 14, Coastal, in 2021, a game that you were a part of. Number six, Texas A&M in 22, and now number 18, James Madison in 23. Caden, they improved to 13-5 and all-time versus James Madison in matchups, and in the process, they snapped a two-game losing streak to JMU. Caden, at this point, it's win and a coastal loss. App State would play for a Sunbelt title game, but let's talk about the only place really where we can start, and that's the events leading up to this game. Thursday, we found out JMU's waiver would be denied. Friday, 5,000 fans showed up and created an electric atmosphere at the Pat McAfee Show. We saw a college game day record 26,000 people on Saturday. Oh, and by the way, the Jonas Brothers made their trip to Harrisonburg and performed. Kane, this was a banner weekend for James Madison in the league. What were your favorite parts? So many to choose from, Noah. I think you see, obviously, different discourse between different fan groups online about James Madison and their situations. But at the end of the day, right now, getting college game day for any of these Sunbelt schools is just almost like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity. And now for two consecutive seasons, we're seeing a college game day type atmosphere getting brought to these Sunbelt schools. And it's, it's electric. Seeing the, the feedback on Friday night, I'll never forget, or just on Friday of the day, I'll never forget going up to Boone last year for their college game day experience and kind of just feeling the palpable energy within the town as college game day was getting set up and Pat McAfee and those guys are rolling through town and you just saw JMU answer the call and as soon as there was crews there and as soon as ESPN made their presence felt there JMU answered with their own presence from Friday all the way through the weekend the college game day experience obviously seeing a ton of different features on the program getting the national audience now up to speed about JMU's dominance for a while getting to know their players their coaches their culture which is amazing to see and I think probably my favorite moment is a friend of the podcast Harry Lyles and him and Harry Douglas saw them crowd surfing at one moment with the JMU faithful saw the the, the kickoff challenge with JMU's mascot trying to kick it through the uprights just a ton, a ton of fun stuff Lee Corso's autograph on someone's leg saying go Dukes there's just a ton of excitement and energy and it's just a, a priceless moment you talked with Todd and Chase about maybe the distractions that come with college game day I don't think that anything 
to do with this game. JMU, JMU was in a dogfight. It was an absolute battle. I think they came ready for this game and apps they did too. And I think just the college game day and the hype of it, I think, just brought the best out of both programs when we saw them perform against each other one-on-one. But I will say with the Jonas Brothers, I was kind of disappointed with the set list. I was hoping we could see and hear some of those throwbacks from, from back in my childhood. But overall, just a great weekend for sure for James Madison, despite them not getting the result they wanted to in this game. Okay, and that is a great point, and thanks for making it, because there were a lot of newer songs in that set list. I, too, am a big Jonas Brothers fan and would have loved to hear some of the older songs. I think my favorite moment was Kurt Signetti's entrance on the Pat McAfee show on Friday, where he grabbed the mic and yelled out to the crowd, do you like the NCAA? And they all responded, no. Do you like Pat McAfee? Yes. Do you love the Dukes? Yes. Just a great moment and a moment that many of us will remember and many Duke fans will remember for a long time. Okay, and it's really hard to understate the magnitude of this win for this App State program. Another ranked win, increased job security now for Sean Clark and in a path to a Sunbelt title game. Caden, how did it happen, and what does this mean to the App State community? It means a ton. We've obviously been well-documenting throughout this season just some of the, the pushback from the fans, some of the reaction that comes with the standard that's being upheld and trying to be upheld at App State as far as them being able to perform in championships at a high level, be able to beat ranked teams and accomplish all of their goals that they set out to in every single season. We know that's harder with the Sun Belt now in the competition, and I think this game was just the perfect showing of this team peaking at the right time. I remember watching them play in person against Southern Miss and having some still worries about this program as they were going to finish out the season and then watching them play against the Georgia State team in person up close and personal and just watching the most physical brand of defense I've seen some really high flying big plays out of Joey Aguilar in the offense. And I feel like this game, they were able to put all of the good stuff they've been putting on tape through this winning streak they've had in the last couple of weeks and just take it to an opponent that is definitely one of the best in the country when it comes to them being ranked. I know this App State team, probably similar to how you feel in the past on teams I've been on playing against a Coastal Carolina team that's ranked. You still feel like this is a team in your conference. It's different than playing some ranked opponent coming into the season that's a Power 5 team. This is still a team you're familiar with. You're on their level. So the ranking probably didn't matter as much to the players until that final whistle ends and you have that excitement and energy knowing what you just did. But I think this App State program is peaking at the right time. We'll talk about some of these other programs who are now going and ending the season on losing stretches. This App State team is now going on a winning stretch to end the season. They're playing their best football by far. And I think we saw that in this game against James Madison with the way they were able to perform. Similar to how they've been able to perform in the past against really good teams. I said in my heart of hearts going into the game, I felt like App State was due for one. They feel like they clearly felt that. They clearly played that way. I have to give a shout out to Joey Aguilar for just putting the ball in the end zone a couple more times. And giving a shout out to the App State defense as well, who made this JMU offense look a lot more human than it has in the past couple of weeks. So just an overall team effort, both teams getting after it, but at J- App State ultimately being able to pull out the dub, just get, digging a little deeper and making a couple more plays and just an absolute dogfight of a battle. Caden, okay, I was texting with a couple people around the App State program, and I think the sentiment was it was really good to win on the road. Obviously, the struggles have been well documented over the last couple of years to go up to Harrisonburg and walk out with that result, I think, was a huge jolt of energy into the arms of this App State program. Caden, James Madison put together a magical run this season. The magic finally running out here. Their first loss was a big upset on a big stage. This postseason future is no longer in their hands at this point. Where does this leave James Madison heading into the final weekend of the regular season? Yeah, it's tough for this program. I mean, obviously, we've known the the postseason implications for this team have been looming throughout the entire season. And I think when you think about JMU's year, their their resume is really all they they have to speak for themselves. They know that with 
there being differing opinions and situations as far as their postseason fate coming out at the end of the day, this JMU's regular season is going to be what you're going to look at as far as their body of work this year. And I think they still have something to be proud of as far as their body work. Ten straight wins is impressive, but I think the last couple of weeks we've seen JMU just look a little bit more human in a couple areas, whether that was that Old Dominion game at first when they first time we saw them ever being kind of a closely contested Sunbelt battle since that Troy game and different moments like that against different opponents, I think have kind of culminated now to where App State was just peaking at the right time. They were in a dogfight, and I think JMU fans have nothing to hang their hats about. Both teams couldn't run the ball in this game. The run stopping was great. JMU held App State to 48 yards. They held them to 61 yards. Both quarterbacks threw for 46 pass attempts in this game. JMU did a great job not flinching when they were down in this game, coming back from behind in the fourth quarter and really seemed like they were going to tear the hearts out of App State fans for sure as they were driving down the field and putting some of their best football together. But I ultimately think for James Madison going forward, they're not going to hang their hat on this loss. I don't think they should hang their hat as far as their effort, what they did, if they could have done anything differently. This is an amazing team that went up against another team that's playing their best football at the right time, and they just didn't make quite enough plays. But I think as far as a mindset goes, I know it definitely hurts for this fan base, especially knowing that that zero, which is looking very nice at the end of their record, and now it's a little bit different. So very, very curious to see now how this team closes out the season. I anticipate them getting back to their standard that we've seen all year, but it definitely just stings a little bit going from perfection to having that one loss for sure. Kane, I got to admit, my biggest takeaway from the weekend, James Madison, they need to expand that football stadium. When you draw more fans to game day than your stadium holds, it's probably time to expand. The crowds have been outstanding up there, and that makes those environments just so much fun to play in. Most definitely. I think these Sunbelt schools, when you talk about the Kid Brewer Stadiums, what JMU has going on up in Harrisonburg, I think when you come when it comes to Sunbelt fans, they're coming, they're more interested, they can get to the games. You've mentioned the regionality of the games. There's so many App State fans saying they were even going to the game to drive there, and in the future with Sunbelt games, if there's a big one, it's the same conversations like you and me have when we talk about, should we just go to this game because we can drive there? It's the convenience of the conference. The conference has the some of the best football you can catch now in the country. So I think every team probably looking in the future is saying, hey, if we have a scenario where maybe we have to host a college game day down the line, it's in line now. There's a path for us to do it. Let's get as many fans in the stadium as possible and really get it rocking, I think, for the Sunbelt Conference and for all these programs individually as well. Well, James Madison will head to Conway, South Carolina to face Coastal Carolina, who's 7-4, and four, coming off that 28-21 loss to Army in Week 12. It will be a rematch of last year's 47-7 JMU win in Harrisonburg. App State returning to Boone, North Carolina for a rivalry matchup with Georgia Southern. They have lost three in a row. Georgia Southern has, including a 20-17 loss to Old Dominion in Week 12. This will be the latest chapter in one of the best Group of Five rivalries Caden, we move on to a game that had both of us shocked when we looked at the scoreline and how this game went. Arkansas State 77, Texas State 31. A-State securing their first bowl bid since 2019. They had gone to nine straight from 2012 to 2019. They did it in historic fashion, scoring the most points in a Sunbelt Conference game in league history. They improved to 7-4 and all-time versus Texas State and in the process snapped a three-game losing streak they're now 5-1 and all-time at home versus Texas State. Caden, A-State putting together one of the best games that this program has seen in years. A far cry from how this season began. The game really had it all. We saw seven rushing touchdowns, a 91-yard fumble recovery touchdown, a 93-yard kickoff return touchdown, and not one, but two 50-plus-yard pick sixes. The Red Wolves are going to their first bowl game since 2019. Kaden, what does this mean to the program and to Butch Jones? 
It means so much to this program, Noah. And, and it probably you can't. It's going to be hard to measure not only how big this is, but the way they did it. It definitely matters a ton. When you look at this program and their their shortcomings the last couple seasons, it's been a collective effort of shortcomings. You can't really point to just the quarterback position, just the offense, just the defense. This team just around across the board just hasn't been able to get it done the last couple of years in the conference. We know they brought in this recruiting class that has a ton of guys, a ton of talent. But them to be able to capitalize on that in this season making a bowl game in a historic fashion, like you mentioned, scoring in all kinds of ways. You see the score and you're going to assume Jalen Rayner lit up the, the stat sheet and had seven touchdowns by himself. He didn't even score in this game. He was efficient throwing the ball, but he just got so many, so much help from his running backs who were able to run the ball effectively in this game. And from the defensive scoring to the special team scoring, that's something you haven't seen from this program in a while. It's a complete win where the special teams, the defense, and the offense go up against a conference opponent and do it like this. This is just a great sign for this team moving forward. Now, making the bowl game is great. That's something to celebrate a ton just given the history of this team and them not making a bowl game since 2019. But I think the way they did it against a formidable opponent, getting every aspect of the game under control, on lock, playing one of their best games they have in recent history. I think not just the bowl game, making it is one thing. I think how they made it is just going to be great for this program going forward with Butch Jones at the helm saying, hey, guys, you can trust me now. We've seen how this process is going. We've had our rocky rocky ups and downs, but this is what this team is capable of, and we can continue to build on that in the future. So super excited for this Arkansas State team. Everyone knows it's one of my favorite stadiums to play in as a player, and I think now that they have this momentum going for them, Going into next season, hopefully we see even more people in that stadium than we have in the past, and they can just continue to build on this positive momentum of this great year they've had. Definitely would love to see more great environments. It's Centennial Bank Stadium in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Caden, for Texas State, you get off to the fantastic start this year. You're 4-1 and one to begin the year, including that win over Baylor. Now they're going to try to avoid a 1-4 and four finish next week. Caden, what do you imagine the state of this program is following what is really a, a tough loss? Yeah, it's an interesting spot, and it's all about perspective. I think coming into the year, no matter if this team ends the year on one and four stretch to close out the season, this team's still overachieving compared to what we what they did last year, what they've done in the past, and what we expected from them. So I think in the moment, you can get caught up in these narratives about the losing streaks and what does it mean for this Texas State team. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens the rest of the season, if they get 70 points hung up them yet again in their last game of the season, this is still a great step for this program as a whole, and they can't lose sight of that. They still put up a ton of numbers. We saw them able to do some great things offensively in this game. It just was not their day. When you have two pick sixes in a game, when you have defensive touchdowns getting scored and special teams touchdowns scored on you, it's going to be a rough film session for these guys, and this one's going to sting for sure. It just wasn't their day, I think, in this matchup, and I think we've had a couple moments this season where we've seen it just not be their day, whether it's in a half and a quarter, just kind of lacking some of the killer instinct at time as well, times as well to close out games. I think this program still has a lot to figure out, and I definitely think they have a very high ceiling and a high floor, or a low floor, rather. We've seen some poor performances, this being their worst now 77 points hung up on them but we've also seen them go up against a Baylor team and play some of their best football that we've seen from any team in the entire conference this year and I think the fact that they do have a high ceiling now compared to what they had before is still a silver lining and still something to look forward I think as this team is going to build on what they have this season but ultimately them having kind of highs and lows happens they're taking their lumps of being a new program with not a new program but a new person at the helm of their program in this new era and they have to figure some of that out in the offseason but I think overall this Texas State team is still in a good spot it's just going to be about fixing some of these little things in the offseason and building on still their momentum that big picture is headed in the right direction yeah Kane I think it's a great point you're making perspective so important right now for this Texas State program similar to what we started the season talking about with Colorado where you know you have all the success early on it hasn't gone the way you wanted down the stretch but it, building blocks have been put in place for years to come Arkansas State traveling to Huntington, West Virginia to face Marshall, who's coming off that 28-0 loss in Week 12 to South Alabama. 
They will try to end Marshall's hopes of making a bowl game. Texas State, meanwhile, welcomes South Alabama, who had that 28-0 win in Week 12 to gain bowl eligibility to San Marcos. And now Texas State has to look to get back on track. We move on to our third matchup, South Alabama-Marshall. The Jags securing their second consecutive bowl-eligible season. In the process, they denied Marshall's chances at a seven-straight bowl appearance for at least one more week. South Alabama earns the first win in the series versus Marshall. This was the first game ever between these two programs. Kane, this was a super disappointing game if you're Marshall. You scored 38 points last week. It was their now their first road shutout in this game in 23 years. Cole Pennington throws three interceptions. They reverted right back to who they've been recently, Kane. What's their biggest problem right now? I'm going to continue to say it's offensive creativity, Noah. I think when we looked at last week and we were asking if Pennington was going to be the answer for this team moving forward this season and maybe into the future, I was just hesitant because of the small sample size we saw in that big win against Georgia Southern, which he was able to be efficient in that game, but he had so much help. We mentioned how big of a game Rasheen Ali had, how the kickoff return for a touchdown also played an impact in that game. He got all the help in the world in that matchup, not as much as we saw Jalen Rayner get, obviously, in a game like Arkansas State, but in this Marshall game, you saw that if your quarterback's not getting a ton of help, these are the results you're going to get. This is the second straight week that Cole has thrown an interception on his very first drive, which is just a tough way to start. And except for in this game, he threw two more interceptions and his offense wasn't really to get, able to get going. Rashid Ali had his best game of the season last week, but this week he only had 55 yards and he was this team's leading receiver, which I think really shows how this team is just desperate for explosive plays when it comes to the passing game. If the run game's not going to be there for you, there's so many teams in the conference who have a front seven that can shut you down. You have to have a counterpunch. You have to have a way to combat that. And this team does not right now. And I think it comes down to their personnel. It comes down to their offensive creativity from a play caller. And it comes down to what you're asking your quarterback to do in a week in and week out basis. There's Going into this season, we imagine a guy like Cam Fancher being able to grow as a passer, use his legs, and be able to rely on his defense playing well and his run game being there. But from a week-in and week-out basis, you're just not getting that every week, and it makes your job extremely harder for the quarterback position. So like I've mentioned in the past, I think this team has to do a detox this offseason when it comes to their offense, figure out their philosophies and what works best with them. But I think right now when you just see them having three turnovers in this game, getting dominated in the time of possession, only converting three third downs, this is just stuff you see from offenses that have – issues as far as both personnel and what they have going on as far as their play calling so they have a lot to fix and I think we're not going to see them be able to fix it necessarily next week but hopefully this offseason they'll be able to figure out some of these problems that have handcuffed them for the entire year far cry from the 4-0 start to the season meanwhile South Alabama a good result for them they earned their second straight bowl appearance now they're going to try for the program's first ever win in a bowl game in a few weeks Caden we talked about them needing this more they delivered and it was their defense three interceptions and holding the herd to just 42 yards rushing in this game that set the tone what does this win mean for this very young South Alabama program it's good for this team I'm not going to say it's huge for this team just given the expectations we had for this team going into the season but it's big for them I think them playing on their senior night I thought was going to have an impact and I think we saw that you saw a ton of great performances from their seniors in their last home games of their career. You talk, you mentioned the three interceptions. You have guys like Jalen Jordan, Jaden Voison, and Marquise Robinson ending their careers likely on interceptions in those last games. You see Carter Bradley doing his thing. LaDamian Webb continuing to add to that touchdown tracker that seems to just go up and up every year. It was a great performance from this team. The shout-out's huge. Getting all the offensive players involved in this game that they were able to on their senior night was just great to see. And I think from a morale standpoint, it just means a lot to this program. Did they see themselves at this time of the year 
prepping themselves to be in a conference championship game. Absolutely. It didn't go their way. They know that they had a consistency issue this year and they weren't able to perform at their peak like we've seen in moments like this game for the entire season. They're going to be like those players. And I've been in those same shoes. You're going to think about the plays you didn't make more than the plays you make. You're going to think about those close losses versus those big wins. But I think them being able to close out the season strong with a win like this, hopefully adding another to it next week, will just be good for the morale as a program going forward when they're going to have a ton of changes in the future. So I'm happy for these guys for sure. This is a team that everybody knows I've been rooting for quietly for a while now and just happy to see them get more consistent to end the, end the stretch of the season and really hopefully make some damage and do some damage in a bowl game. Not like they were able to do last season. Obviously, we remember what happened in New Orleans. South Alabama heading to Texas to face Texas State, who's coming off that 77-31 to 31 loss in Week 12 to Arkansas State. Texas State's lost three of their last four. The Jags looking to continue to play well here at the end of the year. Marshall returning to Huntington to face Arkansas State. Again, coming off that big win, the Herd will look to secure bowl eligibility uh, with a win. We will move on to matchup number four, Caden. This one a bit surprising, Coastal Carolina. Falling to Army on the road 28-21. Coastal Carolina becoming only the second Sunbelt team in the last two seasons to lose to Army. Louisiana Monroe was the other. The series now tied all-time at one apiece between the Shants and the Cadets. Caden, uh, Coastal still controls their own destiny heading into Week 13. If they beat JMU or App State loses, they're playing Troy in that Sunbelt Championship game. This felt like an old fairy tale, Caden, where the luck finally ran out. Coastal orchestrated one of the most impressive winning streaks this year. Five straight wins with three different quarterbacks. Assess this performance and the overall strong play during this five-game streak. Yeah, we've definitely been giving our flowers to Coastal Carolina for them being able to have the ability to offensively get things done on a consistent basis despite having different quarterbacks playing for them. It's very impressive. It's a skill that I think no one should take lightly as far as anyone who's been in the football space. That's a very hard thing to do. But we saw Jared Guest being the starter in this game. We thought maybe we'd get another dose of Ethan Vasco. And I think as a result, it just didn't play in the favor of this offense going up against this entire defense that Army had and just their entire team and their game plan. This was a classic Army win. They did not complete a single pass in this game. They were dedicated to the run, and they just won the time of possession as a result. They had the ball for 39 minutes in this game. And when you don't have, kind of like we saw Troy have success and have their own run game established against Army, that was taken from them. They only rushed for 105 yards in this game. The big Jared Brown play with 48 yards accounted for almost half of that, and they just weren't able to have that run game, which has been huge for them in the defensive stellar performances we've seen throughout this run. So we just saw it was pretty simple. They didn't win, and they didn't keep their win streak going because of that run game being gone and Army style of play getting imposed on their defense. That's been successful. But I think when you look at their run and them knowing that in conference play in the games that mattered most, they were still able to rattle off those wins will be great for the confidence of this team moving forward in this game against James Madison. I think the question now just comes, has the luck run out for them specifically at the quarterback position? What's going to be their best answer to get this must win against James Madison if they want to continue to keep these things going and be back in the Sunbelt East? But I think overall, this team still knows in that winning streak, they have the defense they can rely on. They know the run game can be there for them like it has been in the past. The question is going to be, are they going to have the right quarterback on the right day to be able to beat James Madison and hopefully put themselves in that East Championship spot? Caden, let's talk about Coastal Carolina because at the end of the day, at this point, they control their own destiny heading into next week. A win over JMU, and they play Troy on December 2nd. A loss and an App State loss. They're there as well. Caden, how are you feeling about their chances to represent the Sun Belt East in that title game once again this year? Yeah, I hate to be like too much of a prisoner of the moment right now, but I do think just with App State stocked in the direction it's going and compared to Coastal now taking this loss against an Army team that is a 5-6 and six Army team that many teams have 
teams have figured out how to beat. And it's definitely a little bit worrisome as far as James Madison playing in that last game against Coastal Carolina and them coming off of their first loss of the season. So, you know, James Madison with them possibly not having a postseason at all to play in are going to play their best in that game coming off of their loss, having that bad taste in their mouth. I think that combination of Coastal Carolina now coming off of this loss for the first time in a while with some more question marks at the quarterback position is going to be an issue. I think right now you would have to take App State as far as them being able to beat Georgia Southern and put themselves in that spot with a loss to JMU with Coastal Carolina versus having enough confidence in this Coastal Carolina team being able to take business on by themselves. So I think it's going to be a close one. It's very interesting as a team, as your, as your psyche goes, having to rely on another team winning or losing to see your, your own fate through. But what's even harder than that is going to be facing this James Madison team. That's still a great team. That's still rightfully one of the top teams in the country. And I think it'll be a battle for sure. And it's going to be about Coastal Carolina finding a way at the quarterback position first and foremost to just have a chance at having the success they had last year. Plenty of intrigue for Coastal Carolina as they welcome 10-1 and James Madison, who's coming off of that loss to App State in Week 12 to Conway. Coastal Carolina will look to avenge last year's 47-7 to loss at the hands of the Dukes. Moving on, Old Dominion, Georgia Southern, ODU winning 20-17 to over the Eagles. Old Dominion eliminated Georgia Southern from the Sun Belt title contention race. In the process, they snapped Georgia Southern's six-game home winning streak dating back to last year. And Old Dominion moved within one win of securing their first bowl bid since 2021. They snapped a three-game losing streak to Georgia Southern and won their first ever matchup against Georgia Southern. Caden, you can't understate how huge of a win this is for Ricky Ronnie in this Old Dominion program. They went into a hostile environment where Georgia Southern had won six straight at Paulson. They come out with a win. Grant Wilson made some incredible plays, especially on that final drive to set up the game-winning field goal. Now they've got a real shot to secure bowl eligibility against the Georgia State team that's struggling mightily at the end of the year. Yeah, you asked me about their odds of being able to run the table and win these two games in the preview episode, Noah, and I, I thought I was, I was pretty optimistic about it. I think Old Dominion the last couple of weeks has been playing great football. They have their identity established, and I think me picking them in this game to go to Paulson Stadium and get a dub, I, I felt confident in it. I like the ODU's chances, but actually seeing them be able to do it is a whole nother level, and you just have to give credit to the staff and these players for seeing the process through and sticking to it. I've mentioned it in the past. This team is always going to score about 20 points and do enough on defense to keep you in that 20-point range, too, and it's going to come down to who's going to finish the ball game. And I think their great start in this game had a huge, uh, a huge impact on what they were able to do as far as being successful in this matchup. The game started off with Coast, or Georgia Southern, rather, punting the ball, punting the ball, having a turnover on downs, having a turnover. They just played lights out defense all day. Jason Henderson and those guys in the box will make things hard for you, but I'm very impressed with what they were able to do in the secondary and being able to limit this high-flying offensive attack from getting that many points on the board. So I'm super thrilled for this Old Dominion team. I think you can see them now. It's going to be hard for me not to pencil them in getting another win after just the, the trajectory that Georgia State's going on right now as far as them having this lull in the season and not ending the season as strong as they'd want in Old Dominion now playing some of their best football. I think it's very likely and probable, and I'm very excited to see if they'll be able to capitalize on them in this last matchup, being able to put themselves in a bowl conversation. And you mentioned it, Grant Wilson, his ability to do things with his legs and be the leader of this offense has taken them a long way and allowed them to play great football this year. So super happy for the Monarchs and selfishly, internally, definitely rooting for them to run the table here, finish things off and make it to a bowl game. Georgia Southern, though, on the other hand, extending their losing streak to three games just three weeks ago, they were the front runner to play in the Sunbelt Championship game. Now those hopes are absolutely gone. Caden, 
You've got a bowl game to look forward to if you're Georgia Southern, but what's gone wrong lately and how can they get back on track over these final two games of the 2023 season? Yeah, it's been tough for them, Noah. I think their style of play is just not as, as, as on the offensive side of the ball, as sustainable and successful as we've seen in the past as far as scoring. This team has always been prolific at throwing the ball, but teams, whether it's them not being as explosive late in the season or defense is having a better idea of letting this team kind of try to beat you with a bunch of stuff underneath and not give up those big plays. Something offensively has just been a little bit off for this team, you could say, is maybe taking a slight step back to end the season and just overall compared to what they were able to do from a scoring perspective last year. And I think you pair that with also having your defense, who we thought in the past had gotten improved and had been better this year. Now you look at them in this final stretch of the season, they have just not been upholding that standard and playing well. They actually played solid in this game, but I think when you look at their losing stretch as a whole, that definitely hasn't been doing them any favors. So I think when you look at this Georgia Southern team, their defense at moments this year has looked like an improved unit, but then they've also had moments where they look like the same old unit from the year before. And I think offensively as a whole in this losing stretch, they seem like in general, they've taken a step back for sure. So I think they just need to get back to playing their own best brand of football. They know what they're good at. They know their bread and butter. They know what their formula is as far as winning games. Teams seem to not have a counterpunch to that, kind of a checkmate to that. And they're going to have to find out maybe how do we evolve offensively or defensively before we get to our peak level of success and doing things that we've seen ourselves do earlier in the season and even last year. So I think for them, they have all the answers in their old building. They're just going to have to figure out their own ways and those little details, I think, to pull out games late and be able to just score a little bit more and keep teams from scoring because they, they're, they're, they're prone to shootouts. That's their style of play. But I think moving forward, they just got to figure out the little things. Well, Georgia Southern losers of three straight, they're going to head to Boone, North Carolina for a rivalry matchup against App State. Kane, you can throw out everything you just said. When these two teams get together, they will look to end the season on a high note. Meanwhile, Old Dominion welcoming Georgia State, who's coming off of a 42-point defeat to LSU in Week 12. Georgia State's lost their last four by a combined 29 points on average. The Monarchs will look to secure their first bowl bid since 2021 with a victory. Moving on to the final matchup, Troy versus Louisiana. The Trojans, uh, a little bit tighter than they wanted it to be. They win 31-24. to Troy winning their eighth straight game, the second straight year that this Trojans program has had an eight or greater winning streak. In the process, they kept Louisiana from bowl eligibility for an, another week. The 10th Trojan win all-time in this series. They're now 5-3 and three in games played at Veterans Memorial Stadium. Kane, this one much closer than we, than Troy, than probably most people anticipated. Give Louisiana a lot of credit for battling with Troy. Gunnar Watson was relatively quiet in this game until the fourth quarter. Vidal had a nice day with 112 yards and a touchdown. Ultimately, they pull away in the fourth quarter. Caden, is this Troy team in championship form with two weeks to go before that game? Yeah, it's interesting, Noah, because when you look at a team that has high standards, high expectations, and then playing in a game that's a little bit closer than you would imagine, you'd see that as maybe a bad thing as they head into their most important games of the season with their championship just two weeks to get away. But I think when you look at Troy, they've been so much better this year on the offensive side of the ball that we really haven't been able to see them showcase them winning close games in the second half and in the fourth quarters. Because we remember last year, they seemed like every week we thought Troy's style of play, the way they were winning was just unsustainable because they were able to late in games pull out and play their best football on both sides of the ball and have these close wins. But we've seen them now go on a run of dominance where they're kind of picking their shots, choosing their formula as far as how they can beat teams. And I think seeing them go up against a Louisiana team who obviously is missing their quarterback and the most important player, 
the fact that they were still able to go up against a good team in Louisiana and play in a close matchup and pull away late that we haven't seen in a while kind of gives me more hope for them as far as them being in that championship form. They haven't been tested in the second half like this in quite some time. And I think them showing they still have that ability to, hey, even if the game's tied, even if we're losing, you see Troy always has that same cool, calm, collective demeanor. And they're still always about their business when they step on the field. And them having being put on the ropes for the first time in a while and seeing them respond well, I think, gives me a little bit more hope for them. So I think they are in championship form. I still think they have that edge and killer instinct. And it was kind of nice to see Troy be in a close game in the fourth quarter. We hadn't seen it in quite a while, but they still have their best players playing when it matters most in that fourth quarter. And I think that's something we'll continue to see throughout the season and through their championship run. Now, let's be honest, Caden. This might have been one of the very rare fourth quarters that you and I have had to watch for a Troy Trojans football team this year, quite in stark contrast to last year when it felt like we were turning on our televisions for the fourth quarter every single week. Caden, it was another close loss for Louisiana. Now two straight close losses after losing Zeon Chris. Did think that Chandler Fields had a nice day in this game. 74% completion, 282 yards through the air, three touchdowns. But the run game continues to look like a shell of itself. Just 66 yards rushing, 2.6 yards per carry in this. Caden, kind of grade this team's performance since Zeon Chris went down with the injury. Yeah, it's interesting, though. I think when you look at this loss and you look at the wins and losses, this team's obviously lost three straight, and that's not what they want. The Arkansas State one is the one that stands out the most. That's the game Zeon got hurt, but even when before he got hurt, the Arkansas State was able to impose their will on that team, and it had to do with them not being able to run the ball. But I think in this matchup, now having your quarterback play the third-string quarterback for the second straight week and being able to go toe-to-toe against a Troy defense and have some success, throw for three touchdown passes, we talked about how important it would be for him to have the run game with him. He didn't have that with him, and he couldn't contribute to it either because he isn't a guy like a Zeon Chris or a, a Ben Wolders we've seen in the past who can move those chains as well with his own legs. So I think the fact that Chandler Fields was in this game throwing touchdown passes, playing confident, getting a bunch of different receivers involved is really promising. I think the score is never what this team wants when it sees the losses ending in the, in, in the matchup. But I think when you look at their actual performances the last couple of weeks, going toe-to-toe against a Southern Miss team that's really hot and being able to take that one all the way to overtime and then go again against a Troy team and stand toe-to-toe with them despite not having your run game and still be in it when it comes to the third and fourth quarter. I'm still impressed with what I've seen from this Louisiana team. I think I'm still going to be buying a ton of their stock next season just based on their performances they've had this year. But I think losing to Troy is never something to hang your hat about. And the fact that they were handed and dealt a card that some cards that weren't favorable and they were still able to do it just gives me confidence for this team as far as them still being not maybe not the record they want, but the team and the performance and the, and the and the stuff they're getting from their players from a weekly basis with Coach Des at the helm has still been great despite this year not really going their way, especially in the second half. Troy heads to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to close out the season by facing Southern Miss, who's coming off of a 21-point loss to Mississippi State in Week 12. Troy looking to win their ninth consecutive game to end the regular season. Meanwhile, Louisiana heading home to Lafayette, where they'll face ULM, who's 2-9. and nine. The Cajuns will look to wrap up another bowl season in Caden. Quite frankly, I like their chances to do it against ULM at home. Great week of Sunbelt football, Caden, the penultimate week of this season. It's crazy to believe that we're already moving into the final weekend of the regular season. Time for a quick closing thought on week 12. Yeah, no, if someone hasn't tuned into Sunbelt football at all this season, next week is the weekend to do it. We have teams that have a ton to play for. We have conference championship implications in the East. Like we've mentioned, we have a couple teams fighting for a bowl spot. And I think now we're coming to this month of November, coming to a close as far as football being played. And we've talked about how important it is. And I think I just love to continue seeing these teams play their best brand of football. We've seen so many teams grow and impress up. We see 
impress us this season. We've seen a couple teams disappoint us in a couple moments, but I think overall, week in and week out, you can never really complain with the product you're getting from these teams. They didn't get their luck in some of those matchups against some Power 5 squads, but I still think this conference is truly special. This last weekend is going to be bittersweet, and I cannot wait to watch it. This weekend was definitely the perfect warm-up and the best best way to end, I feel like, the season as we're coming to a close here, and I'm just I'm just super excited per usual and a little bit a little bit sad that we're going to lose some Sunbelt football and we're coming to our last games where we'll be watching from all of these teams. Well, at the end of the day, Caden, it looks like we might see anywhere between 10 and 12 bowl games, so still a lot of Sunbelt football left to be played. Well, that's going to do it for our Week 12 recap on the Ferrari and Smith podcast. We've reached the final weekend of the Sunbelt regular season, and there's still a lot to play for. Before you go, here's a quick reminder that we will be back on Wednesday. We'll be releasing a special sit-down interview with former App State quarterback Armani Edwards ahead of his jersey retirement ceremony Next Saturday, you're not going to want to miss this exclusive interview. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do one thing. Share this podcast with one, two, or even three of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. Music.